The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscara, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow, he's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game, East Tennessee State's going to leave on another They got him. Fight. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you it doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Wednesday, Sandos in the Sidekick, and what an exciting week it is. The ETSU women's basketball team will play their first two Southern Conference games of the season, albeit on the road Thursday at UNCG, Saturday, West Carolina. We'll talk about the West Carolina game. On Friday, but the men's team, well, they're going to take on a team that they hadn't defeated in the last four chances. That's also UNCG. That is tonight. I'm about to head down the road with the rest of the crew. A matter of fact, you're going to join me as well. We'll go down there to the Coliseum, see how ETSU handles UNCG. Then you'll stay the night, do the broadcast of that. So we'll talk about the men's game, the women's game, both versus the Spartans. We're also going to talk a little college uh, top 25 men major action and the other segment. Do we know yet? Yes. We do. What is it? going to be A.J. Merriweather. Oh, yeah, A.J. So we got the SoCon. Which he's in town today, Freedom Hall, if you want to go check out the Globetrotters. Absolutely. He talked with you on the coaches show on Monday night, and I'm still trying to wrangle him down as the show is being produced right now to come on Santos and the Sidekick. But if there's no Santos and the Sidekick appearance, there will be a Santos and the Sidekick appearance via the coaches show, which is about seven or so Fancy editing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's repurposing of content from what I understand. First of all, what I really want to talk about off the top is how much – SoCon John Hooper loves him. Loves me or hates you? I think and, that and we looks can a little say, I'm not sure which is more prevalent, the love for you or the hate for me. Now, I think the misstep for SoCon John Hooper is not knowing that I am the one that books guests, and he probably wonders why he hasn't been on in a while, and clearly there's an answer to that now on paper. Okay. Um, first of all, I would just uh, ask you this question. Okay. Why would he not love me more than you? Mm. Discover that. Hmm. Yeah, so basically that was in uh, reference, right, to get, uh, the Monday's He basically breakdown. said you are the most incredible and prolific Southern Conference mind to ever walk the earth. I, I don't I, see where it's anything wrong with this. I don't, I mean. And I played it uh, off as he's only brilliant because I make him brilliant because mm-hmm, my job is to mm-hmm. make him look brilliant. Mm-hmm. But so mm-hmm. kind of John Hooper's, I think, invite to be on the show may have gotten lost in the mail the last, uh, I don't know, year or so, and it may get lost in the mail again for another Man, year or so. Attacking so kind of <laughs> no, 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 no. He's, he's a nice guy. He's I, not as nice as he used to be. Well, that's all right. I'm going to reach out to him see if he can come on for no, just, 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 just to get course. you going. Yeah, get you going right over my head, aren't that's you? That's exactly convenient. what I'm going to do. Convenient for you. Uh, but I, he did bring up a good point. And, no, I and, bet you uh, think he brought up a good yeah, point. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, a, how great I am. But, no, he brought, you know, the App State Network back in the day used to handle a lot of Southern Conference uh, things when David Jackson was running. Now, of course, uh, he works for ETSU for us at ESPN3 and such. But when Dave was really running the App State Network before really IMG and all that got in there and uh, sort of the, the fledgling parts of podcasts and other things, they used to do a little bit of some radio hits. And so App State would actually do legwork to get comments from all the play-by-play guys, the home broadcasters of games to get a little, you know, one minute, two minute breakdown that you would just pre record, send it, or you could call them and go ahead and record over the phone or whatever. And so they would put together something. They would do all the games uh, online again before radio stations were covering a lot of that. They would basically do the online stream of all the tournament conference games. So you'd be able to do that. And so that there is some uh, a presence for it of somebody in the league taking uh, effect of that. Then a lot of people in the league got mad that App State was doing it, plus App State's won national championships in football and so other things. And they always felt like App State had a little bit of a of a slant to it. But the truth is uh, I think those guys were just more vested into sort of what goes on because at the time there's really, and still to this day, there's not a whole lot of guys that work full-time for the university. And so I think that's a little bit 
you know, when you look at, at some of the other guys around the league and, and just think of, like, Jim Noble for Wofford. I mean, he's living in Charlotte, driving up, doing games. He's got a NASCAR gig, doing other stuff. I mean, there's a few of us. Jim Reynolds has his own radio show. But you look at Dan Scott does work for Furman. I mean, you know, Gary Ayers does not for Western. But, of course, Hooker's on a lot of those broadcasts. Daniel Hooker, he's got – so there's not a lot of guys that are that are tied in uh, – there to do that but i think they're he's got a point because the league is trying to get the profile up there can be more done and i know there's an, a couple podcasts that have come out that uh one of them's like two bid socon or whatever and I, i'm all for it but the point for john really was we need to have more of that to get the league stuff in front, especially for guys that know the league and i think the only argument that you know jim reynolds has been around 40 years and if you couldn't get him for a lot of interviews from chattanooga um, you know, there's a few other guys. Wade Brenner from VMI seems like he's been there since, I don't know, when he graduated, 71? I don't know when Wade's been there. But you could get a lot done with a league that could help get the brand out there. The question is, A, who's going to headline it? And then, B, is the league interested in having somebody from the league do it? But to me, with, uh, you know, the new commissioner, uh, Schaus, and everything that he wants to do, why wouldn't this be an avenue he goes? And if nothing else, I mean, we are clearly – worth a five-figure paycheck, right? Well, I just want to say to SoCon John, on the record, all will be forgiven from this end of things if you wrangle up the funding and send it our way. There you go. Just want to throw it out there. So, so that's a Mike, way to so, extend an olive branch. So Mike, of money. Mike Gallagher can be bought. That's what we've learned, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. My feelings are worth a certain amount. And so my feelings currently hurt. It will take a certain amount to have them heal from SoCon John. <laughs> is, is there a minimum amount or are you just anything? Like, it's a sliding scale. I mean, you know, does a does a uh, Taco Bell gift card work, or what are we talking about here? Well, how much is a Taco Bell gift Five dollars. It, ha- it would take a little bit more. Ten bucks. Bollocks? Ten bollocks? Is that bucks. Oh, ten bollocks would be I'm awesome. not going to negotiate on here with you. I'm going to keep my figure to myself, so when SoCon John inevitably caves, mm-hmm. I have that negotiating mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mike Gallagher, ladies and gentlemen. All right, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, ETSU men's basketball tonight, 7 o'clock, 6.30 airtime against UNCG, and... Boy, you take a look at the series, and this is uh, a little bit shocking to me. They've played 31 games. ETSU has a 16-15 all-time series advantage. But this is something that uh, myself and Kevin Brown are kind of been going back and forth on some other things. And I thought the Furman series would have been the tightest as far as total points go. But out of 31 games, the total points separating ETSU and UNCG, both teams scored, is ETSU plus 31 points. Wow. So less than two per game, right? I'm not going to math, but I can do that for you. And I didn't have enough time today because of Gary Lee, but on the car right there, I'm going to break down because there is a number of five-point or less games uh, as finishes that have been spectacular, and that's even since ETSU rejoined the league in 2014-15. And I'll just do this very quickly, but it was a one-point, a three-point, a three-point, a three-point, a four-point, mm. a six-point, a five-point, a ten-point out of nowhere – then it was the 18-point, which UNCG stopped the 16-game win streak. Uh, and then uh, a pretty good beatdown in the tournament as well by 15. Then goes to 8-1 and one with uh, Miller hitting virtually the game-winning shot last year. So you look throughout, and you can even go further back in the 90s. There's also, again, two- and three-point games. So they've been uh, tightly contested. The last four have clearly gone UNCG's way. The last three at their place has gone UNCG's way. The last one, ETSU won, was actually not, I don't believe it was in the Coliseum. I think that was the Deuce Bellow went bonkers uh, late fourth quarter, fourth quarter, late second half in Fleming Gym to pick up that win, 68-65. Uh, and the Bucks also had a three-point win in 2015, 65-62. So they may have won one in the Coliseum. I know for sure they had to come back. Uh, in Fleming Gym, but the last three in the Coliseum have not been particularly good for ETSU. So I grew up watching mid-major basketball, the tournament, cheering for mid-majors, the underdog in the NCAAs, and so these type of matchups for me are heaven, right? I mean, it's in my blood, in my lineage, in my history that I love these type of matchups. And so when I came here in 2017, and that first year it was the one where the Bucks went on the 16-game win streak and then inevitably lost to UNCG, put up 47 points in the SoCon tournament. That game you just talked about, the 15-point win for the Spartans. I had a certain level of disdain 
and a certain level of um, unhappiness. I don't want to say hate, but unhappiness towards UNCG. And if you look around at the teams in the Southern Conference, for me, having just gotten down here over the last you know two and a half years, having it build from that 2017-18 season, for me, I have always felt like UNCG is ETSU's biggest basketball rival. And that may be just because of the recency. It may be because of how events unfolded. It may be because of the time frame, 2017-18, when things were rolling. I was in heaven. I was looking around at like, wow, I walked into this incredible basketball program. Be able to cover it and be around it is so cool. 16 wins in a row, longest win streak in the country. And then make the first intro I ever made for the Buccaneer Sports Network for the UNCG game. You get pulled over on the way there, uh, and you get a ticket for speeding. Probably Spartan Grant. And the Bucks end up losing that game because of your ticket or my intro or any amount of things that happened that day. And then you go on and face UNCG with a chance for redemption in the Southern Conference postseason. Don't get it. UNCG goes on to the NCAA. So for me, this has always felt like the biggest rivalry for ETSU men's basketball. And it's one, again, that I think is going to be exceptional tonight. We don't need to go over it too much, but the losses for UNCG Kansas, two half-court buzzer beaters to Montana State and NC State, and then the double overtime loss to Wofford. The margin of error for UNCG between having a one-loss season and a four-loss season right now is just minuscule. It may be unprecedented where ETSU has similarly had some very tight losses and themselves could be a one-loss team. So I expect this one to be extremely close for a number of reasons, but before I go into those, I want to kick it back to you for whatever you want to say. Well, I I think when you look at these two these two teams, and I just want to go back to last year first. Now, I've got a lot of statistical things I've really been hammering down on, not just the last couple games against UNCG, but looking at the last two games where the Bucks have struggled offensively. Let me start with UNCG first. And the biggest difference was last year the Bucks just shot 27% from three, 10 of 37, but where Trey Boyd kind of struggled against Furman Wofford, really had a field day against UNCG. He was 8 of 14 from three, 57% from outside. Jeremy Rodriguez was averaging 16 points and 15 and a half rebounds versus UNCG in the two games. All the other numbers are, are very similar except for team three-point shooting. The Bucks shot 27%. UNCG shot 40%. And then it always seems to be the bugaboo, free throw shooting. ETSU, 27 of 45. They took 21 more free throw attempts, but 60% of those free throws were hit 19 to 24 for UNCG that's 80 percent 79 point something but but you're sitting there looking at some of those numbers in the Bucks. you know that's really about it turnovers they had a few more you know block shots actually ETSU had more than UNCG which is a little shocking because of what James Dickey can do back there but 8 of 14 from 3 Trey Boyd that means the rest of the team combined for 2 of 23 and you just can't beat UNCG that way. The simplest thing, and I'm going to go to the last two games in just a second, but the simplest thing, this is all you need to know about the game. If ETSU, against the press, can get it to the middle and kick to the corner, and they should have a couple of shooters there. I mean, this isn't going to be rocket science. This is what every team tries to do against UNCG. Get it to the corner. Wofford did it last game. They hit some threes. UNCG had to get out of the press. That happened when T.J. Cromer and the Bucks went to the tournament. They were able to kick in the corner. Those guys hit threes. Cromer uh, being the lead guy that hit threes. But they had a couple shooters that could knock down threes. If you remember, the, the rare Jermaine Long couple triples came into play during that time. But that's how you win. Last year, ETSU could get it to Boyd. He hit threes. But you're looking at Davian Williamson was one of seven. Bo Hodges, one of three. Isaiah Tisdale, 0 of three. Kavon Tucker, 0 of two. And Patrick Good, 0 of eight. And so that's really where the game is going to swing because if you knock down a few of those threes early, UNCG is forced not to do the press, then they've got to go into half-court man, which is not their game. They want you to use 8 to 10 seconds to get across the timeline, if not create a steal. Then by the time you get across the timeline, you look back, you get a play, you start your motion, you know, you just shorten everything up. And then they've only got to defend maybe 16, 17 seconds as opposed to maybe 26 seconds of a shot clock and again that doesn't sound like a lot but eight extra seconds you know extrapolated over the rest of the game certainly changes things now looking at the last two games and i'll let you breathe i, I probably need to take a breath let you go at it well the last two games so let's start with the four, the, the first uh 14 games they're averaging 81 points per game i think that's documented 37 percent from three 
and they're out-rebounding on their opponents by eight. They're averaging 52.5 points per game the last two. They're shooting 21% from three. Now, where I mentioned Pat Good was 0 of 8, well, he's the only guy that is hitting threes. He's 7 of 15 during the last two games. The rest of the team is 3 of 32. The only other threes hit 1 of 6 for Davian Williamson, 2 of 14 for Trey Boyd, Tisdale's 0 of 6, Hodges 0 of 4, and then Patterson and Hughley each have attempted one. Free throw shooting, 52%. But here's the two biggest ones, I think. Minus six on the glass. So in the 14 wins, they're plus eight. In the two losses, they are minus six. 18 total assists in two games compared to 27 turnovers. So that's a two to three, right? Assist to turnover ratio, if you want to look at it that way. They were 215 of 180 in previous games. Isaiah Tisdale has 10 assists. Bo Hodges has five. The rest of the team has three in two games. And to me, that's the biggest difference because going into those two games, they had five players, one, two, three, yeah, five players with 25 or more. And now all of a sudden you've heard Coach talk about non-ball movement, they're not doing stuff. And guys that have 30 assists that have zero in the last couple, one being Trey Boyd, Davian Williamson, those two guys stick out the most. There's a couple others. But those are the guys that have 30-plus assists and just seem to have struggled the last couple of games. Again, now, it's all relevant. You, the, the bad offense, the bad shooting. Sometimes guys aren't hitting open shots. It's not necessarily the pass. The motion's not there. I think Coach has, has kind of talked about that a lot. But how can the Bucks get the ball movement? Can they hit corner threes? That's the two biggest things in the game. I think from UNCG, what you need to look at is the biggest thing is just health. And we've talked about it a little bit. Monday and leading up to this game, Caleb Hunter, right ankle injury, out three to six weeks. That's from December 3rd. So you look right about the time frame we're at. There's been no report really on his status, but we're at about the beginning of six weeks now. So on the higher end of that injury. So I think it's a possibility that he could play. Kyron Galloway, ankle injury against Mercer in the 72-63 to win a couple of games ago. No report on his status. I'd probably say it's less likely that he plays. Kyrie Thompson, concussion after playing in just four games. He's been out for a while. Kobe Langley suffered a hamstring injury, much like Thompson hasn't played since uh, William Peace about two or so weeks ago. Thompson and Langley don't really play much, but Hunter is the team's second-leading scorer. Galloway is the team's most active three-point shooter and third leading score and you talked about three point shooting a bit for the Bucks. I think this is a team in UNCG that you can kind of lag off of and defensively I think the approach should be take away everything 20 feet and in because it's not a good three point shooting team and their best player Isaiah Miller is the worst of the three point shooters 22% of course we know he's a heck of a player in almost every other aspect of the game third in the league in scoring second in the league in steals and much like he did last year against ETSU down the stretch in that final game against UNCG with five seconds left he hit the game winning shot he's hit shots down the stretch this year it seems like game in game out that have either won games for the Spartans or have at least put them ahead and been in positions to win before ridiculous half court heaves that have beaten them so I think the defensive approach is to just lag off these quote-unquote shooters, let them shoot themselves right out of the game, and you even do have some room defensively for error to to take chances because they're not a great free-throw shooting team. So maybe you can be a little bit more aggressive on defense when it comes to uh, in the backcourt, you know, pressing, uh, getting right up on UNCG and trying to force them into mistakes. And if you do happen to get to the limit you know eight or nine minutes into the half it's not the end of the world because this team only shoots it at 63 percent from the line so I would be very aggressive defensively but in the half court leg off and make them hit shots now of course if they have Caleb Hunter or Kyron Galloway a lot of that can change not necessarily in the be aggressive and leg off you know the three-point arc I think you can still do that even if they're in there but it will become a much more difficult task to beat this UNCG team if they're in there and that goes without saying it's very obvious Hunter and Galloway are both very good players and I think with how UNCG wants to press of course if you don't have a lot of bodies it makes everything so much more difficult right they played just eight against Wofford it was Miller Angelo Allegri who we remember him from the first matchup against ETSU last year where he went like five for five from outside after having I don't know, three points per game or whatever it was going into five that game. Five of six. Five don't of sh- six. 
So I even, you know, in my mind, he's superhuman and can't miss, right? That's kind of the uh, legacy that he's built up in my head, at least. Malik Massey, Muhammad Abdul-Salam, and James Dickey were the starters. So Miller, Allegri, Massey, Abdul-Salam, and Dickey. And then it was Keyshawn Langley, Michael Hewitt, and Baz Light off the bench. So eight. That's not going to be easy to press for 40 minutes. And if the Bucks can do what they need to in breaking that press, it's something that Coach Forbes has worked a lot on them with in other lead-ups to games. I'm sure they're doing that again coming into this game. Uh, if you can find a way to make them run, make them jump, make them wear themselves out, and with the few bodies that UNCG has, if Hunter and Galloway don't return, that is a big plus. And I'll be interested to see how UNCG can then live up to their ranking as one of the best defensive teams in the country. They're seventh in the nation in opponent scoring average, and they're uh, 50th in adjusted defense, according to Ken Palm. I know Steve Forbes loves Ken Palm. So 50th in the nation in adjusted defense, one of the better defensive teams in the country, but with fewer bodies, with a solid game plan from ETSU, with a quality approach to breaking the press that UNCG wants to put on against the Bucks. I really think that this is a very winnable game on the road, specifically considering UNCG's injuries problems. Maybe the Bucks are catching them at the right time. You know, it's funny. UNCG's taking over 100 more threes than ETSU. And I don't get it. They're not, not a not, good shooting team. I'm not very good at math. They see 353 for the Bucks, and you're looking at 456 for UNCG. Because while you were saying that, I was sitting there just thinking, well, man, let's, let's see who's doing what. How many have the Bucks made? Oh, let's see, UNCG's 146, ETSU's made 127. So, again, higher clip. You're looking at 36% for the Bucks, and that includes how bad they've been the last two games. 30, they're, they're shooting under correct. 20% the last two it's games. It's a 32% for UNCG. Right. Uh, and it's just interesting. They've got, I mean, my goodness, they've got five or six guys that have attempted 59 or more. Uh, and it just it doesn't look like that would be the makeup of the team. And to be honest, their press is a little unique because – they just put Isaiah Miller, who's just high energy. The perfect ball. Absolutely. Have. Just high motor, whatever else you want to – all the accolades for he can just go, right? The Energizer Bunny. So, you put him at the top. They get a couple of wings. You put Dickey there in the back. And, I mean, it's just – you know, it's really – if Isaiah Miller can handle it going that, then I think that's that's the big thing. And he's averaging – see, what's his minutes? Almost uh, 29 minutes a game, 28 minutes a game. So – you know, he they're giving him some breathers. I you know, I'm kinda shocked by that. I thought maybe they would he would be in the thirty two, thirty three range. But if you give Miller say, Hey, twenty eight minutes, I need you to top of the press and really go at it, I mean to me that's that's pretty smart coaching. Uh exactly what they want to but do. But it also means then that all three of your top scorers, if you don't have Hunter and uh Galloway on the floor, all three of them are not there for at least twelve minutes of the game, which is great if you're the opponent. It is great if you're the opponent. I I think the the one thing when you saw the extended minutes um, the other day, got like uh, Allegri got a career high, I think, in shots taken. Uh, you know, didn't finish, finish with 19 points against Wofford, uh, which actually surpassed his career high against the Bucks. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, uh, but he had like four of 13 from three in, in that game. You know, I think he took 19 total shots because guys weren't there to to get the the normal shots. And it always seems like though, and I know you mentioned three point shooting. It is crazy because you look at. The loss inside Freedom Hall a few years ago, R.J. White went bonkers. He hit double the amount of threes, sort of like Allegra there. Kyron Galloway had a game where he went bonkers from three against ETSU, and Allegri went bonkers against ETSU. So even though taking away the three and some other things, if somebody does get hot, I think they do need to recognize, like, hey, we can't have a here we go again and somebody just go crazy and hit five or six threes. You know, you've got to get the ball out of his hand. And, of course, early in the season – they were defending the three and just going by the two by two by two. Like we just believe, you know, if we make them score two point buckets the whole game and not give up many threes, then then we're going to outshoot them from outside. And I think for the most part that's worked because ETSU is eleven and one in games where they've hit more threes than their opponents, and they're one and two when they don't. So pretty simple math. You know, if they can hit more threes than their opponents, they've only lost one game. And when they don't hit more threes, in their, and the one game they lost and hit more threes, Kansas. Kansas, Because yeah. Kansas only hit one three. So that that's the only team that beat them when they hit more threes. So I know you don't want to rely on three-point shooting, and they want to go inside out as a team, and I think that's still the smart play. But when the Bucks are able to get eight, nine, ten threes to go down, they are winning almost all those games, not named Kansas. I think seven is the number, and I was just looking at this as you were talking about, so it's – 
very coincidental or just in the same wavelength that we started talking about the exact same thing or thinking and talking about the exact same thing. I think it's seven, and you look back at what ETSU has been able to do when they've hit seven. Like you said, the only game that they have not won would be the Kansas game when they went nine of 30. Now that's only 30%. 30 also is a season high for how many they took. So they wanted to get in a shootout against Kansas and had some open looks. And Coach Forbes even talked about a post game. He said if a couple of those shots would have gone down, the time and score pressure really would have ramped up against Kansas. Would have been interesting to see how they responded. You look at the last four games. Now ETSU 5-19 and 19 from three against Cleveland State, but they completely had the Vikings outmatched in that game. 5 of 24 against Wofford, 5 of 23 against Furman from, from outside. The other time that the Bucks didn't hit at least 7, North Dakota State, 6 of 18. So if you can hit 7, you're almost guaranteeing yourself, in my mind, especially against a poor three-point shooting team in UNCG and an injured team like UNCG, is you're almost guaranteeing yourself a victory, I think, and I'm not making any bold predictions here, but if the Bucks hit 7 threes, they win the game. You just got to start hitting a few more shots, and not only from three, but transition is what Coach Forbes talked about, and just overall knocking down some open jumpers. Uh, this is, like I said, a very winnable game for ETSU, and I was surprised that they didn't come out and beat Furman. I was surprised there wasn't a better offensive effort there. But with every passing game that ETSU is scoring, whatever, what, 52.5 points per game, uh, is ever the closer they are to turning it around, at least with Steve Forbes at the helm. I'm very confident in that. Yeah, I think that's the the big thing. The, the rebounding the last couple games, the no assists, the not being able to shoot threes. And honestly, since the LSU game, and you mentioned some of the numbers, and I mean, uh, you could – take Mars Hill, yay or nay, but the three Division One games since there, 26%, 21%, 22%. And so other than Mars Hill, after the LSU game, you're talking about really not even getting – and even the LSU game, they were barely over 30% at 30.8, so round up to 31%. But they really haven't been lights out as they were the beginning part of the season from outside. So I'd be curious to see what the, the arena – that Coliseum is, and ETSU's not played particularly bad in the arena. They just don't have many wins in the arena, going back even to last year again with Isaiah Miller hitting a shot over Bo Hodges, which Bo Hodges, I guess as Bruce Trambarger asked him maybe after a game and said, look, if you had one possession again against UNCG or, or anybody, would you rather have the ball in your hand to score or would you rather play defense? And he said, well, I'd rather have another shot of playing defense. Well, it may come down to that again because as UNCG's proven at home, they're going to provide you some fireworks late in the game, and it could come down to that one possession again where Miller's actually hit a shot to take the lead, hit a shot to tie the game, only to see three-quarter half-court heaves to go in to beat him. Seems like every time there's a tight situation, he comes up big, like he did against the Bucks last year, and he has a couple of times this year. He is a special player, 37 steals on the season already. I think the school's all-time leading steals, man. Hopefully it doesn't come down to that. I'd like the Bucks to have a little bit more comfortable of a lead than get into that situation. All right, 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock, ETSU versus UNCG. The next night, Thursday, tomorrow, it's women's action. UNCG host ETSU again, 7 o'clock, tip time, 6.30 airtime. You'll have the call, and that will break down that game after this time out to your Sandman Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Sanderson is sidekick back with you. Jay Sanders, Mike Gallagher. We're breaking down. We already did the ETSU men's breakdown of UNCG. Thursday, 7 o'clock, it will be the women's turn. The Southern Conference opener against a team that seems like they always beat no matter what. Well, usually it's an easy victory. Not to denigrate UNCG, but ETSU leads the all-time series 22-10. to 10. But the Spartans are a bit different this year. They haven't had a winning season in the SoCon since the 06-07 year when they went 20-10 and 10 overall, 12-6 and six in the league. They did go 20-15 and 15 overall and make the WBI in 2016-17. Had a so-so league year, but this is their best start over 15 games at 11-4 since the 1998 
99 season. And you look at some opponents in common for ETSU and the Spartans. UNCG has won five straight, including a win over Appalachian State by seven. The Bucks won by six. And their last loss was to North Carolina A&T by nine. The Bucks lost by 11. And you venture a little bit th- further back, and UNCG beat UNCA. UNC Asheville by 27. ETSU lost to them by 18, but that's a bit of an outlier because it was the second game without Erica Haynes-Overton. Both teams have beaten Wake Forest and Liberty in tight contests. There's also the high point games. UNCG won by 12. ETSU lost by 18, but high point shot 38% from three against the Bucs, 24 against UNCG. That's kind of the team high point is feast or famine from outside the arc. So six in-common opponents, results almost identical for four of them, and an outlier against UNCA, again, because the Bucks were adjusting to new roles without Erica Haynes-Overton and such. And then the high point game where the Panthers feasted against ETSU and it was famine against UNCG. The reason they're off to such a good start is because they have everybody back. Every single minute that played last year for the Spartans returns. The only player not back, Keanu Funderburg, who did not play last year so it's not a surprise considering the talent that they have Nadine Solomon first team all league can stretch the floor as their top three-point shooter but also their second leading rebounder and Tasia Twitty first team all preseason in the SoCon 14.7 rebounds per game second on the team in assists tops and steals those two anchor this team but everybody else has taken strides too which means unlike last year and previous years coming into this Thursday, 7 o'clock matchup against UNCG. It's not going to be easy. There are going to be stumbling blocks the Bucks will have to avoid. And we also have to keep an eye on ETSU's health because Ariel Harvey uh, missed a game with flu-like symptoms. Then Ty Kimbrough missed a game with flu-like symptoms that last game against Cornell. It seems like it's been just going around those flu-like symptoms uh, for ETSU women's basketball. You have to hope you're 100% healthy. And as you joked about with head coach Brittany Azell on the coach's show on Monday, that finally... They do have the 10 bodies, the 10 healthy bodies that they need in order to be able to go, you know, full five. And then should be should there be a situation where you need to go a full second five, you can do that. Just more bodies will help because Jada Craig's still on a minutes limit. Ty Kimbrough coming back from the flu, so on and so forth. Um, the more bodies, the better, especially against the UNCG team that has tons and tons of experience back. I think it's interesting to see the type of schedule because – They've got three non D ones if I'm looking at the thing right. They Erskine College, Lenore Ryan, Concord. So it's one of those where you know, if you take those out, they're still very solid eight and four. They're four and one at home, but you know, sometimes a tell tale is how teams went on the road, right? We tout ETSU men's basketball and what they're able to do on the road. And you look at a couple of those road wins, one obviously being up at Wake Forest, able to get that. Liberty, which you mentioned, similar opponent. I, I, I was there myself. I know how a little bit difficult, not just the style of play Liberty does, but they tend to schedule those doubleheaders. That was an education game for UNCG, so you know that was a packed house with people being all over them. You know, the win at UNCA doesn't shock me. The Campbell loss, unless Campbell's really improved since last time I saw him play, not particularly. The Campbells? Yeah, I was shocked by that. And then uh, um, it says at North Carolina A&T, so if they lost at A&T, then that would be a little bit of a shocker too. But then some of the, their wins are runaways. I mean, I think, I think that's the one thing is you look at either they tend to struggle a little bit or they just put sort of the, the pedal to the metal and step on you. And so uh, looking back at the games last year, and, and you mentioned the, the two players that really sort of ran the show and Solomon and Twitty, I mean, they combined for 79 points in two games, 51 of those. Solomon, and she had a couple 20-point affairs, 22 and 29. Uh, Twitty had 24. Inbrook's gym struggled at home, just had four points. And then you look at some of ETSU's number and all the points that are gone, which is well-documented because Eric Haynes, Overton, Brittany Snowden each had a couple of good games versus UNCG last year. But Micah Sheets threw 22 on the board. At that time, was a career high for her. Seven of 11, three of six uh, from three, five of six from the line. Didn't fare particularly as well on the road at UNCG. Still double digits with 11 points, five rebounds, but just three of 13 shooting. But it's, Micah Sheets has to have help. She's been leading scorer 10 of 13 games, I, you know, and I think the world of Elise Stafford and a few others, but they can't no-show. The rest of the year, you just can't. If you have one person not show up, maybe you can survive it. But when two people just don't, kind of live up to the averages or somebody doesn't give you an exceptional game, it's just going to be tough to win games just the way the roster is built right now. 
and I think that's going to be the issue. The one thing I think, and I'll be curious your take on this, it's tough to do because of the, the limited number of bodies, but if they were able to go a little more up-tempo, a little bit helter-skelter, how do you feel that could help the Bucks' chances if they were deep enough to do that? If they're deep enough to do that, my worry is one of their bodies, and Jada Craig, the mobility is just very limited at this point with all of the leg injuries, and that's one of your two point guards. And so if you can't trigger up-tempo with one of your point guards, and now Kai Upton's playing 35 minutes a game, so she's very rarely off the floor, so maybe you just trot her out and run, 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 run. But, again, with limited bodies, and even heard coaches all talk about it, this is something I mentioned with her pregame a couple of games back. We know Steve Forbes is one that really likes to hammer the kids this time of year in terms of just in the gym, let's go, focus on basketball, got to get better right now, two-a-days, three-a-days, you know, whatever it takes. There's no time restrictions, so when school isn't in, over the holiday break, this is a crucial time for the team's improvement, and Coach Forbes wants to run them in there five, six hours a day at times. Now, I asked Coach Zell, is your thought process on that the same? Are you going to go the same type of philosophy? Do you think that this time of year is that important and do you coach the same way where you really want your young women in there as much as possible and she said well it would be nice for us to be able to have but with the limited amount of bodies and of course Eric Haynes Overton gone that's somebody that gave you 35 36 minutes a game as well it's just not possible sometimes and I think my response to uh, going up tempo and um, trying to change things up that way I think that that would hinder the Bucks in the long run more than help them now the long run's here, right? So non-conference is behind them. This is when it really matters. The conference season's here. Whatever you have to do to win. So if Coach Zell thinks that that's something that can help and won't uh, gas ETSU going forward, you know, with this Thursday-Saturday schedule they have, um, and maybe even that's part of the answer. Maybe you don't do it on a Thursday. Do do it on a Saturday because you got five days between games, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it too much. But uh, long-winded answer to a short question. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure they have the bodies for it. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing it here and there, but doing it for 40 minutes, I'm just not sure it's possible. Um, that being said, you may have to get creative with this UNCG team because defensively they're very good. They're allowing seven less points per game than anyone else in the league, 55 per contest. So diversifying and trying a few different things may be helpful. Um, defensively for ETSU, they're really going to have to be at their best against Twitty and Solomon. These are a couple of big guards. 5'10 for Twitty, 6 feet for Solomon. We know that they can all do a ton of different things. So does ETSU have the athleticism at the guard position without Erica Haynes-Overton? Um, now, Kai Upton's very athletic, right? We know that, but she's also you know smaller. It's going to be tough to deal with Twitty um, and Solomon. You know, Stafford, uh, she's a nice blend of size and skill and athleticism at six feet herself. So does she guard um, Solomon at six feet? And, and then is Solomon able to outquick her? There's a lot of very interesting matchup things going on in this game against UNCG, and I'll be interested to see how the Bucks respond and what philosophy and approach they take against the Spartans. And the question is, because you have had success, is there – something in ETSU where it's like one of those things. We talk about this a lot. Sometimes it's just about matchups, right? And the matchup favors your team, and it's very tough. I think in conference play, that happens more, right? The more, whether it's in professional sports, whether it's in college, the more, I think I think Robert Harper loves to use the quote when he's on the broadcast, says the toughest, talking to most coaches, the toughest conference in America is the conference you play in because everybody knows everybody. You play right. them twice a year, you know, personnel, you know everything so you know kind of the ins and outs and and within the game and then the game there's matchups and there are teams that match up better versus different teams you know and that's just sort of how it is there's bottom of the level teams that give problems you know etsu never lost with steve forbes as the head coach to mercer but yet mercer has three or four wins versus uncg you know so citadel didn't beat uncg but citadel beat etsu a couple times under head coach steve forbes so there are just times where just matchups play into the thing and i'm wondering if that in confidence level for etsu knowing hey this is a team we always seem to beat we always seem to be able to do just enough to, to pick up wins or we win pretty handily so is that going to be in the mind flip side of that is uncg sitting here thinking okay we finally get the monkey off our back of getting etsu a loss we finally stop losing them so there's a little bit of twofold you know, is UNCG a little extra juiced up for the game? Do they even care about the game? Is it just another game? And then for ETSU, what's their mindset? Is it a team, hey, we know we can beat. We always do. We just have to figure out, you know, can we do it today? And so it would be interesting. But the first two games, I mean, first three or four 
right? And I don't want to go too far because we're going to talk about Western on right. Saturday or Friday. We'll recap this one. We'll talk Friday leading up to uh, Western Carolina. We'll certainly talk about that as much as we need to. I think the other thing is then they play Furman Wofford. So the first four games are going to set the tone. And because you play four less games than the men do because VMI Citadel doesn't have women's basketball. So it's not just two, that's four extra conference games. So every one of these games are a little more meaningful because there's less time you can make up ground if you're talking about a conference championship. Now, Coach Ezell's just saying, okay, you know, we're still trying to figure things out. We just need to be in a good spot so we go in the tournament play our best ball moving there i get that but this could be an opportunity maybe to set the tone for league play if you can pick up the win tomorrow night yeah no question and etsu has set the tone often against uncg seven of the last nine times they played them going back all the way to 2015 16 they won so there may be a mental block there for the spartans you could absolutely be right or a big confidence boost for etsu every time they're across from uncg this is just a team in the spartans that are better so much better than they have been in previous years they're very good offensively i talked about defensively but offensively second in the league in scoring first in free throw percentage field goal percentage second in three-point percentage they're also very good rebounding they're plus 4.3 that's three better than any other team in the rebounding margin in the southern conference uh they were one in 13 on the road last year they're four and three this year seven and one at home this year after nine and four last year and part of the thing is they're winning more close games they were four and 14 in games decided by 10 or less last year now they're not spectacular this year but they are still three and four so just one win away going into conference play from matching that win total in close games last year so they just seem like they've matured a lot and you know part of maturing you can't just do it in the non-conference right you have to do it in the league against teams that you historically have not beaten have they been able to forget or use as motivation some of the results that they've had against etsu or are they truly not there yet and need some more time and are just a product of their schedule we're going to find out in etsu don't be surprised again if they do some creative things offensively and especially do some creative things defensively and how they match up with twitty alexis pitchford and adine solomon and just last thing i was going to say rebound and uncg even though they won the rebounding war in both games by quite a bit etsu was able to come that that's nothing new for etsu this year right the shocking thing is i think for uncg is they've got three players averaging over seven rebounds and nobody else is like two boards a game like so it's really just sort and it, again it's solomon it's twitty and then uh aja boyd is the third one so uh they're very good rebounders but to me if etsu can sort of hold one of them off the glass they got an opportunity to maybe uh, make up some ground there where they've struggled so far this season. So 6.30 airtime Thursday, 7 o'clock tip, ETSU versus UNCG on the women's side. Step aside for a timeout. When we come back, we'll hear from Harlem Globetrotter, A.J. Merriweather, right here on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. the sidekick back on this Wednesday and AJ Merriweather joined Voice of the Bucks Jay Sandoz on Monday night at Wildwind Cafe at the ETSU Radio Coaches Show. Unable to get him live today, but it would have been repetitive anyway. AJ and Jay had about a seven or eight minute conversation about his time at ETSU and his time with the Globetrotters. Former ETSU Buccaneer, current Harlem Globetrotter. Yes, I don't sir. think he needs much of an introduction. AJ Merriweather and uh, it goes by money uh, on money. the set, if you will. Yes, but uh, just talk about, first of all, I, I know, obviously, I think most people know, but how did you get involved with the Globetrotters and where all have they taken you? Um, well, as you know, uh, back when I, 2013, I was in the NCAA slam dunk competition. Um, I came in second, unfortunately, but I, it was a great experience. And uh, they were watching me. Uh, they, when they were watching me, actually, I got a call. I was in Bug Ridge. I remember I was with my teammate, Ike, man. He um, – I, I didn't answer the first call. He left a message. He was like, hey, this is Al Clocker with the Harlem Globetrotters. And I had to replay it back, man. It was a surreal, uh, surreal feeling. And ever since then, it kind of took off from there. They drafted me. And um, 
I'm in my third season now. Third season. I've been to 44 states, seven countries. Uh, man, I'm loving it, man. I'm loving every bit of it, man. Did you ever think, and, and I know as a, as a kid growing up, right, I mean, you play basketball, you just want to play in college, and you're able to play in an NCAA tournament. Did you mm-hmm. ever think, you know, hey, I'm going to be a pro, but I'm going to be a pro, pro for the Globetrotters. Just talk about sort of how that went. Nah, man, it's crazy because back when I was younger, I, 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 um, sometimes I had self-doubt. I thought I wasn't going to play college ball. I ended up going Division One to a great, great university, great school. We ended up doing well. Then um, I started thinking I wasn't going to play a professional. So now here I am with um, the greatest team, greatest sports team um, in in sports history. Um, we haven't lost, and I'm. It's crazy. I'm coming from a, a winning university, and the Harlem Globetrotters, of course, win. We haven't lost since 1971. So, I guess you can say I'm a winner. I said the 50s. I was slightly off. I knew it lost at some point in time. 71, but, man. But let's. I love you know the stat, but let, let's talk about because Coach Zell's right. As you mentioned, you know, you always had. A, if there's anybody you could pick over the last 10 years, you would pick would be a globe trotter just personality wise because you always got a smile on your face you're always happy you always had time to take pictures with, with kids and everything else now you get to do it on such a grand stage mm-hmm. what is that like for you um is it, i love it i love it you know that's one thing i always prided myself about uh being with the globe trotters it's something i never had to find energy to do you know every time i go out on the court you know it's always from the bottom of my heart it's sincere it's genuine you know just um just pl- just seeing the kids, seeing the grown-ups, you know, just having a good time. You know, I always, I always been a dancer, and uh, they allow me to dance. You know, I, um, I'm I've been known as a dunker, and I dunk. Um, I'm just happy they don't call a take on me now when I don't hang on the rim, man. <laughs> or stand on it. Yeah, or stand on it. Or stand on it. <laughs> so I I think the the one thing I, and I was started to talk about when Coach Zell was here, but I didn't want to take away from it because I know I was going to interview you. If you ha- and, and I had not been – I've been as a kid, and then I didn't go to my daughter was two, now seven. We've gone four or five times now. And even as an adult, you kind of know the bits are coming. Mm-hmm. They're still great. The kids, even if they've seen it before, my daughter's just starting to think, oh, hey, they're going to throw water at us. So we're going to be where they're going to throw water at us. So even yeah. though she knows it's coming, it still lights them up. And it's just an unbelievable family show. It kind of interworks everybody. Matter of fact, I think the Heaton's front row – Mm-hmm. You got them. I don't know if you particularly got them, but you got them on the court, and they did a dance, right? Didn't, didn't yes, they Aaron did. and Shelly, yes, they did they the did. dance last year. Yeah, it's um, it, it, it was. I know they had a great time. Um, this year, you know, we're implementing uh, um, a couple of different things. Um, the Harlem Globetrotters have over 20 world records, and each game we attempt a world record. So um, that's something to look forward to. Whether they break it, I don't know. You have to come out and see. Um, and also, we have the fifth quarter. The fifth quarter where um, fans come down after the game and uh, they can get our autograph and uh, and things like that. Um, we have a lot of um, talent, new talented players. You know, I've learned a lot of more tricks myself, and I'm, I'm coming into a, a a more known role now. How is it working? Because you do work with amazing talent and personalities. And again. I've seen the show. There's some people I've seen over and over again. Mm-hmm. There's always some new faces in there. What's it like working with that type of talent? Uh, man, every day, it, it still amazes me. It still amazes me. Uh, my teammates uh, throughout the show, man, they'll do some stuff, man, I've never seen people do, uh, even the dribbling on a, on a nightly basis. You know, we play – some days we play two games in a day. And to find – and to do that at a, such a elite level on a daily basis – you know, I'm I'm really blessed to be around some um, some remarkable athletes. Because it's crazy talent, and I'm running short on time. But because it's crazy talent, how much do you guys get in the gym and say, "Hey, I think I can do something," <laughs> and you just do crazy stuff that you would never ever try to do? And then some stuff doesn't work, I'm sure, and some stuff hits, and you're like, "Hey, we can do this." That is crazy that you said that. Um, two like two days, two games ago, um, I go. I always go to practice early before I go with the staff. So I. Um, when I go to staff, I work on my globe charter. Well, I work on my uh, my shooting and stuff. I want to stay in shape, you know, with my shot and stuff. Then when the rest of the entourage come, uh, we work on globe charter stuff. So I was posted on the scores board, scores table, and I was like, man, this is a globe charter practice. You had people shooting full court shots, people throwing shots backwards and everything. I said, man, this is real practice right here. But you know, that's that's how we become. That's how we do the things we do. You know, everything takes practice. It takes practice to perfect it. I mean, there's nothing like the pregame and you get somebody in the stands midcourt, granny shot, whatever it is, and they're just yeah. – or hook shots, firing everything. Definitely, it's definitely, yeah. unbelievable to see that. All right, so the show – run out of time. Show Wednesday, 7 o'clock, Freedom Hall. Yeah. Sell me on it. Yes, sir. Uh, Wednesday, 7 o'clock, 
Uh, we'll be at Freedom Hall. I'm back home. Um, I'm known as Money now, but you know me as AJ. Just come out and have a good time. Bring your fam- bring your family, friends, loved ones. Um, you know it's going to be a great time. Uh, even if uh, you, you're going through something, you know, you can come to the game. And I promise you will forget about it. It's not, a, it's not an event that you want to miss. It's a couple hours. You just get to laugh and be a kid again. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. If you've been to the show before, and again, you may know the bits. I promise you, you'll still enjoy every single one of them. Uh, Freedom Hall, you can go to Freedom Hall. they got a website, www.freedomhall.com. You can get the tickets there. You can go to Harlem Globetrotters. Yes, I think there was a yes, uh, discount ticket as well. Uh-huh. HarlemGlobetrotters.com, all that, pushing the limits toward 2020. Um, we'll see you out there. That's Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz and A.J. Merriweather at the ETSU Radio Coaches Show from Monday night. In case you missed it, got to run that back, and A.J. was nice enough to take some time to go down to Wild Wing Cafe. Don't forget the Coaches Show is every Monday night from 6 to 7, and you can see A.J. at the Harlem Globetrotters Show tonight at Freedom Hall. Really appreciate A.J. going out of his way to take that time. No worries that he couldn't join us live in studio today. A very busy man traveling the globe with the Globetrotters, and you really can't ask for much more as a young man in basketball, can you? When we're back, it is the College Insider Mid-Major Top 25 here on Santos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. An inside look at Buccaneer basketball is back this winter with the ETSU Radio Coaches Show. Monday nights all season long, Steve Forbes and Brittany Azell join Voice of the Bucks Jay Sandoz live from Wild Wing Cafe at 71 Wilson Avenue in downtown Johnson City. It's a 6 o'clock start as Forbes and Azell field your questions, reflect on results, and preview upcoming action. The ETSU Radio Coaches Show every Wednesday at 6 right here on WXSMAM 640, The Sports Monster. Is it over? Yes. Let's check it. All right, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, Sandos Sidekick. It's first time on the podcast, uh, usually on Wednesdays. We try to go over the mid-major or FCS top 25. And since we're in basketball, season is the College Insider mid-major top is, 25. In fact, our first look at the College Insider mid-major top 25 this year. We're still kind of settling into our national basketball coverage this year as conference play hits for all involved. And there were some shakeups this week, both at the top and bottom the College Insider Mid-Major Top 25. But at the very top, things stay the same. Gonzaga has been here all year, has been here all decade, will probably be here for tens and tens of thousands of years sure. to come. Uh, they didn't make it look comfortable over a very mediocre Pepperdine team, but at home a five-point win to move to 16-1 and this year. Their only loss this year to your Michigan Wolverines, 82-64. to That was that mega weekend for the Wolverines over Thanksgiving in the Bahamas, maybe a bit of an outlier, but their only loss this year. They are number well, one in the Mid-Major Top 25. Are they number one in the country right now as well or did they drop once they lost that game to michigan uh, no i think they just took it over when kansas lost that's right so they would be number one in the ap top 25 as well number two liberty their defense simply incredible this year they're number two with an identical 16 and one record to the bulldogs this season they're only lost to lsu by 17 must suck to lose to lsu we don't know anything about that but aside from that unscathed and giving up just 52 points per game Second in the country to who, Jay Sandoz? Oof, that's One a good question. No, it's not. It's a very easy answer. Second in the country, points per game defensively. Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Oh, yeah, oh it's too late, Virginia. On. Sorry. And, and, they've, and they've actually held uh, – they've actually won – Three three times. Ga- three times when not scoring 50 points. How about that? Name the other two teams to do that. ETSU, obviously. Oh, well, that was – all right. What's the third? One other team's done it. Oh, uh, Cleveland, Cleveland State, State, right? Yeah, Funny yeah, enough, because yeah. they didn't look yeah. like much against CTSU. Well, I can see them not scoring 50, because that's, that's all point. in line. So. Uh, the Flames have given up more than 61 just twice, and on the road this past week held FGCU to 46 and NJIT to 38. Number three, here's where the movement comes in. Furman goes from number nine to number three. Too high or just right after what you saw Saturday? I mean, Furman's won six in a row. I think a little – so, uh, to, I don't know. The Southern Conference is getting a lot of love, so I don't want to say anything about it. And I don't know if that's love for beating ETSU or they're just hot or 
still a little bit of last year. Southern Conference is getting a lot of respect where last year, even the year before, it took a while for the teams to get, where four teams were ranked last year in the mid-major top 25. It took a while, actually, I think, for ETSU to get in there. So uh, I like the fact Furman is in there to me uh, a little bit, maybe even overreact. Cowboy up and go play ball. St. Mary's number four in the poll, and these voters really must want St. Mary's in the top five. They lose to Pacific by eight Saturday. And they've got two more losses on the year, one to a pretty middling Winthrop team, as it turns out, which is bad for ETSU's resume, but a pretty middling Winthrop team in the second game of the year. And they fall just one spot after being number three last week, despite losing to Pacific. Now, in their defense, a ton of good wins. Wisconsin, Utah State, Cal on the road by 12, and Arizona State at home by 40. Number five, Northern Iowa. The nostalgia in this makes me love it. Made five NCAA tournaments from 2004 to 2010, my formative years, Jay Sandoz, and also made it in 2015 and 2016, often a forgotten about mid-major power. Four of those appearances, by the way, under Ben Jacobson, who's now in his 13th year with Northern Iowa. They did take their second loss of the year, New Year's Eve against Illinois State, but their only other loss this season, West Virginia by five. They're down one spot this week after being number four last week. Yale, number six. Despite four losses this year, the College Insider Mid-Major Poll has Yale, number six. They've been competitive in all their losses this year by five in overtime to San Francisco, who are the first team out of the Mid-Major Poll this week, receiving 61 votes. A seven-point loss to Oklahoma State, lost by two to a Penn State team that's having their best season in forever, since I can remember at least. And then on the 30th, their last game, just a three-point loss to North Carolina. Good wins over Clemson and Vermont earlier this year. Number seven, ETSU. That's down four spots from number three last week. And to me, that's, you know, uh, you got to have something. And I think the way they looked in both games, even though they won one there, I think there's probably – I think that's fair. And again, it's been major polls. You know, it's like any other poll. There's some uh, overreacts, underreacts, whatever. But to me, fair spot where they were. I think I saw Coach Forbes' ballot, and he had them eight or nine. So humble. It, He's a humble guy. He may be. Uh, you know, but e- either way, having the SOCOM with well, I don't want to break it, but three teams in the top ten. Yeah, come on, quit ruining the fun. CBF Austin, number eight, known for their win over Duke earlier this year. They've lost to Rutgers in Alabama, but that's it. They've taken care of business outside of that and are still at number eight this week, putting up 84 points per game this year. That's fifth in the nation and shooting over 50% as a team from the floor while out-rebounding their opponents by nine boards per game. The third team in the mid-major poll in the top 10 from the Southern Conference, UNCG. They're beat up. They're down two spots to number nine. We already talked about their injuries. Their next two are the Bucks, and then Furman Saturday on the road. That will be a big one in the mid-major ranks this week. BYU number 10, two overtime losses, a loss to Kansas and a loss to San Diego State, who are one of just two undefeated teams left in the country with Auburn, kind of similar resumes, UNCG and BYU this year in terms of the Kansas loss and a couple of heartbreakers. The BYU ones in overtime. Of course, the UNCG ones, the three-quarter court buzzer beaters. BYU still number 10 this week after being that last week as well. Big clash coming up Thursday night, 11 Eastern. If you stay up late, the Cougars and the Gales of St. Mary's, a top 10 mid-major battle any problems with the top 10 in your summation no i think uh you know unlike sometimes i'm a little thrown off by the football a- one fcs yeah. one i am i i don't i don't believe to me there's there's more people vested across the country in the mid-major poll in basketball than there are in the fcs but um i think i don't have any issue with the top 10 you can, argue up, one sp- <laughs> you can argue one spot or another here or there but who's in the top 10 i don't, I don't to me it's hard to 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 argue if you put Wright State in or saying to Clarence, who you taking out right that's always it's an easy argument it's like all star voting well this guy's got to be an all star well who you taking out like like you got to give me one way or another like you just can't say generically this team has to be an NCAA tournament this team has to be an NCAA tournament well if you had those two teams in who's out why give me give me a reason why I, you could come up with some but to me there's none justifiable to say boom that team absolutely has to be out number 11 out of the horizon league speaking of Wright State they eked out a win against Detroit 70 to 69 Sunday. Jalen Hall with a three with 16 seconds left. They're up two spots to number 11, winning that one, Hall, with that three. Number 12, a really strange scheduling anomaly to me. I'm not sure I've seen this a lot, at least, over my time looking at college basketball. Santa Clara, 14-2 and this year. Awesome for them. But they played 14 games at home and only two on the road, and you may have guessed it. Their 14 wins are at home. Their two losses on the road to Nevada and Stanford by a combined 49 points. Most home games in the country by two the team that's played 12 is Hawaii, so it's not hard to figure out why they host a lot, being in Hawaii and such. The second half of the season, largely on the road, so we'll see how it goes for the Broncos. 
just a strange distribution of home versus away throughout the season. Number 13, despite an 18-point win over Bowling Green this week, Kent State down two spots to number 13 at 11-3 on the season. Number 14, Harvard, the second Ivy League team in the poll. They stay in their position at number 14 in the rankings. Number 15 is Vermont. Five losses, but number 15 and up two spots this week as they're riding a three-game winning streak. Their last loss coming to UNCG by a single point. Vermont, number 12 in the nation in scoring defense, five spots behind UNCG. No surprise, they played a 54-53 to game as we already talked about how good UNCG's defense is. Yeah, and I think that's the the one thing when you look at a lot of these teams. It's it's You look at Stephen F. Austin, right? It's the amount they can score. It There's... To me, there's a whole lot of non non imbalanced teams, or there's imbalanced teams. There's a lot of teams that score a lot. There's a lot of teams that play defense a lot. In mid major, it seems like it's tough to get a little bit of everything. You know, I mean, I'm taking Gonzaga out of it, but for the most part, it's tough to get out of you to see a team that leads their league in scoring or put up a lot of points, or they're kind of built defensively and go. It's very rare, especially in these top ten or twelve teams. And again. Uh, the amount of – I don't know what kind of money Santa Clara is working with to get 14 home games. Pretty incredible. Sm- smart for them because they're picking up all these wins. But you either look at one of those, it's going to be offense, it's going to be defense. Uh, and it's not really – you're really not going to be top of the league with 80 points and holding 50 points, like a 30-point disparity, right? It's going to be one or the other. So defensively, it doesn't shock me at all what they do. Number 16, Pacific. We mentioned that win over uh, St. Mary's. It took four overtimes, one of the games of the season, if not the game of the season, Jalil Tripp. Scored 39. They've won nine of their last 10 Pacific. Unranked last week and at number 16 this week, the biggest jump of anyone in the poll. Do you know their head coach? Ooh. Danielle Marshall. Mm. Good guess, though. I was just going for a good Danielle yeah, Marshall, like Central Connecticut State. I can't Is he really? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, how about, uh, I was going to say Juwan Howard. He's little, little, little point guard. Avery Johnson. Mm, Damon Stoudemire. Oh, you're killing me. I was in the right area, too. Uh, Avery Johnson is not at Alabama anymore, right? Who's at Alabama? No, no. Oh, that was uh, a while ago, wasn't it? Uh, Buffalo. Oh, Nate, Nate Oates. Yes, Nate Oates. Who, who was a high school coach to Dante Williams. Where's Avery Johnson? He's out. Not, not anyway. He's not doing anything right now. So, Damon Stoudemire is coaching. Where's Rashid Wallace? Is he coaching? No, what he about is not. Arvita Sabonis? <laughs> I don't think. How about Ruben Patterson? Is, is he is he our, is he your Venus, my Venus? He's our Venus. Mm. He's our Venus. Very good. Who else was the other guy? I'm thinking there's one other guy on those teams that I'm forgetting. Uh, Rashid Wallace, Arvita Sabonis, Damon Stoudemire, Ruben Patterson. Ruben's not coaching either. Now there's gosh, there's a couple other guys. Oh, on that those Trailblazers teams. squad, yeah, yeah, the Jailblazers yeah. as they as they were yeah. called back in the day. I'll think of it. Uh, Belmont number 17, they take a tumble down five spots, the largest fall this week along with Bowling Green, who are down from 19 to 24. Belmont losing to SIU Edwardsville by That's 10. By 10. And, uh, yeah, not, and At I was home. Say, not just losing, but losing by that. I'm sure Casey Alexander and Vince Gill are unhappy about that. Colgate, number 18, up two spots. Number 19, Akron, after being unranked, climbed to number 19 after solid wins over UMass and Eastern Michigan. Delaware, down two spots to number 20. Who did they beat? Delaware? Yeah. I don't know. UMass? No, not Delaware. Who, who beat? Akron. Akron, so they beat my boy Matty McCall. Is that where he is? Yeah. Mm. Still can't think of that other Blazers right. guy. It's going to kill me. Cal Santa Barbara, number 21, unranked last week, number 21 this week. They won 10 of their last 11, only lost in that time to Southern Utah by a single point. New Mexico State, and of course, ETSU knows a bit about Southern Utah this year as well. New Mexico State, the most losses of anyone in the poll with six, but after starting this year six and six, they won four straight, including a six-point road win against Mississippi State. They're up three spots this week. Drake, number 23, splits their first two games in the Valley. A loss to Bradley and a win over Indiana State. They also, by the way, smashed Kennesaw State by 31 two months ago. Yesterday, just wanted to get that in there. Happy anniversary to both teams. Number 24, Bowling Green. That loss to Kent State sends them five spots south, making it ever the more confusing to me that the aforementioned Kent State drops two spots after the nice win, but we digress. And finally, the CAA gets a second team in the poll this week. William & Mary at 11-5, and five, Edge, San Francisco, and Penn for the final spot in the College Insider Mid-Major Top 25. A one-point win over Elon, two-point win over Northeastern, and 27-point win over Hofstra. Their victories since Christmas, and just like they did against Elon and Hofstra, they slide in by the skin of their teeth to make the cut in those games and in the poll. And in the receiving votes category, by the way, Wofford, 25 of them, that's seventh in the receiving votes category, and Western Carolina, 13th. In the receiving votes category. Was it Bonzi Wells? Bonzi Wells! Oh, there's a couple others, though, too, isn't there? Rod Strickland. Uh, no, that wasn't Rod. Greg Anthony. 
now. Wow, those are some old backup point guards. Yeah, Dale Davis was in his ninth year. Dale Davis, no. Sean Kemp, believe it or not, was in his 11th year. Sean Kemp was on Sean some of those teams? Sean Kemp was on that. Will Purdue was in his 12th And Scotty Pippen oh my was in gosh. his 13th year uh, during that squad. The best was – and Detlef Shrimp. Let, let's just go over a good Detlef Shrimp reference in general. But then the next year, which uh, – another playoff year, 0102. How about this? So, again, the same core guys we've talked about, Ruben Patterson, all that good stuff. Backup center Chris Dudley from Yale in his 14th season that year. Derek Anderson in his fourth year. Uh, Derek Anderson is one, someone I should remember. Dale too. Davis was in his tenth year. Again, it seemed like everybody from Indiana was just shipped off there. How about this? Steve Kerr, thirteenth year in the league, uh, managed to find his way on that roster. And then my guy, Zach Randolph, finally out of the oh, NBA. Oh, Zach Randolph! It's my guy. It's my guy. Oh, I cannot believe I forgot Zach Randolph. That's the that's the bad one. <laughs> I cannot believe I forgot Zach Randolph. Right. Uh, a couple other housekeeping items. Yes, Gonzaga has been number one in the AP Top Twenty Five for the last. Three weeks. Clearly, I'm living in the You're past. You're all over it. I, we, don't way, care, we don't care about that I'm poll. way more that interested in the matter. mid-major top 25. Way more into the mid-major top 25. And also, my main takeaway from this College Insider mid-major top 25, because I do have to be the guy to critique everything. How in the world does Bowling Green fall five spots after losing to Kent State? But Kent State also falls two spots after beating Bowling Green. So apparently, being around or involved with Bowling Green is a complete poison to any possible ranking you also, Western Carolina, 13th in receiving votes category. Do they get ranked this year at any point in the mid-major top 25? Ooh, ooh. Ah, tell you what, they can win the next two games, and that's going to help their cause because I think they get BMI and Mercer. I hear, people, I hear people talking about they're going to be a top four team in the Southern Conference this year. People, let's come. <laughs> let's bump the brakes here. They're going to be the fifth. Come on. That'll That's be, fine, but top four. I mean, there's a significant right. difference, maybe not as much as last year, but a significant difference between the top four and everybody, in my opinion. So, there we go. Settle down, Catamount fans. All right, we're going to have uh, Daniel Hooker dispute that later. All right. Santa's sidekick. Can't wait. Friday. Back in his road network. <laughs> <laughs> See ya.